0: Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello? everyone, and welcome to 127 episodes of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. We are joined by Joseph Malazzi, executive producer of Stargate Universe, in this episode to discuss season one of that series. Before we roll into that, if you really enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow. Please also consider sharing this video with the star. Gate Friend, And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few weeks on the GateWorld.net YouTube channel. They are our partner. As this episode is a live show, Joseph Malazzi has uh, joined us to take your questions live so if you are in the youtube audience at youtube.com slash dial the gate my moderating team i believe it's summer and tracy today uh, are taking your questions for joe and in the second half of the show uh, we will uh, turn everything over to you guys for those questions but until then it's me and joe joseph malazzi executive producer stargate universe welcome back sir how are you I am great. How are you? I am good. We are on the third and final show. And like you said earlier, it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> mhm. Yeah. What was it like doing a third one of these things? And uh, what was the first meeting like where you heard that they wanted to or I guess Sci-Fi wanted to?
1: Um no, I mean they, they had been discussing doing a spin-off for a while, and uh, by the I, I refer to Brad Wright and Robert Cooper, uh, the co-creators of Stargate Atlantis, and uh, and uh, and Brad was a co-creator of SG One, and yes. uh, they've been talking about ending SG One with the seventh season and then spinning off a new series called Stargate Command, um, but then you know we ended up getting the pickup for the. Uh, for the eighth season or was the you know the eighth season the ninth season the tenth season and so they ended up working on a completely different spin-off which um turned out to be atlantis and so they did that one and then um you know as kind of a, as, as atlantis was getting into its like i think fifth season hmm. they had started talking about this third spin-off uh, and they wanted to do something very different and i remember them uh going in they had the idea and they pitched it they kind of soft pitched it meaning i think you know they didn't have a, a whole lot of details but they you know they had a kind of a sense of what the show was going to be and they pitched it to sci-fi and i believe it was sci-fi yeah okay. and and sci-fi loved it and they they asked well, what is it called and I don't, i'm not sure which one of them basically just on the spot suggested a placeholder title and maybe it's stargate universe and they loved it and they're a great stargate universe thus uh stargate universe was born and you know as as was the case with Atlantis they worked on the, the pilot while we were in production on um uh, on Atlantis and um and and then we heard you know we got the the green light which was great and then shortly afterwards we we heard that we received the red light on uh, Atlantis season 6 which was not so great so it was kind of a bittersweet uh uh, a moment for us or, or month, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we ended up rolling into Stargate universe and, 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 and breaking stories for Stargate universe, which was totally, uh, very different. Uh, but you know, Brad and Robert wanted to do something different. So there you go.
0: Absolutely. Did you think, uh, when you first heard, uh, this, this pitch for a third one. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think automatically this was something that you wanted to do or after so many years of this, was it time to potentially not, I mean, not absolutely, but potentially mm-hmm. consider another, you know, chapter in your life.
1: You know, when you're on a long running series, you in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, ah, oh, you know, maybe this is the time to, to, to step off and, uh, and, and try something new. But as, as, Someone once told me, uh, "That's crazy talk." And and I think ninety nine times out of hundred, when someone leaves a successful show to embark on their, you know, illustrious solo career, uh, <laughs> it doesn't work out for them. Uh, so I was always like, "Mark, there are
0: the exceptions."
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I was always appreciative. So I mean, yes, there was that one percent, uh, but the majority don't. So I was I was always appreciative of uh, the opportunity afforded. Me on Stargate, and I frankly love the franchise, I love the characters, and the prospect of, of doing a, a third Stargate, uni- a Stargate series, but doing something very different intrigued me. What
0: intrigued you the most about this premise? What were the new directions that you were going to be able to go off in that was like, you know what, I think yeah. I can sink my teeth into this one? I mean,
1: conceptually, I loved the idea of a ship show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of classic sci-fi um, but with like a, a Stargate uh, uh, angle. So that really appealed to me. Um, I, I really love the um, kind of the ensemble dynamic. And that's another thing that always always appealed to me. And I, I've, I've always been a big fan of ensemble shows. Um, and, you know, I mean, SG-1 and Atlantis were ensemble as well, but uh, I guess not to the extent that Universe was. In that, uh, you know, the cast of characters were, there were so many of them and, and so many of them who were uh, not necessarily background characters, but more kind of peripheral characters, um, initially, uh, Brody or, or um, uh, Park uh, characters, uh, Volker characters like that who were really, um, really supporting players. And yet, because of the performances by the actors, uh, you know you know peter Kalamis and then and jennifer spence and, and patrick gilmore we ended up giving them more to do and mm-hmm. the characters grew and as a result you know our our cast grew our cast of characters grew and that was a lot of fun
0: they furthered the plot i mean yes. one of my frustrations about star trek discovery is that you know sinequa is is great as the lead but we there's her her entire bridge crew you know would have in a show like next generation have had episodes you know that focused on them and we never get to meet them because it's mm-hmm. it's not an ensemble show it is her show and maybe like mm-hmm. two or three peripheral characters and mm-hmm. in atlantis it was it was flanagan and hewlett's mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. uh and i i agree i think that i think that with universe expanding the palette so that um more people had a chance to shine really Mm -hmm. lent itself to, I think, further storytelling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I have to say, originally Destiny being pitched as a ship show, I wasn't sure if it would work because Mm -hmm. if the ship becomes the vehicle... Then what's the purpose of the Stargate? But then, as you watch it, the Stargate really takes the place of transporter and shuttlecraft. Right. It's still the the ship still has its own limitations. So I think it works. Yeah,
1: and and, and you know I love the limitations. The fact that it was a, you know a ticking clock that you you know when planet came in range, you had a window in which to get down to the planet, explore, and then get back onto the ship. Because if you miss that window, then uh, there, you know you weren't catching the shuttle bus. <laughs> uh, you know down the road that was it it was
0: I, I i was surprised in circumstances where it was like we had people who who did indeed uh miss the timer and mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. the ship will go on without you like yes. there's no unless yeah. there is some alter uh, some uh exterior circumstance that gets you back on board you're mm-hmm. not coming back mm-hmm. you know um who among uh the core cast were you uh really impressed with in these uh initial episodes as as the show was growing
1: you know it's hard for me to answer that question because I, one of the things that that I remember being struck by the fact that they they were all very 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 strong top to bottom um and i mean it, it just became more and more apparent as 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 the show went on but it's very rare that you have such a an incredibly strong cast from top to bottom. I mean you you I mean usually your leads are always great and then your supporting characters are you know it, it can be great in which case they pop and or sometimes you know they're they're i had to say about adequate and they just you know serve the the function but in this case I mean just right across the board Just a really, really, really strong and very deep cast.
0: Yeah, some recede into the background as the show goes Mm -hmm. along because Mm -hmm. some are working better than others just by nature of the material and the actor working together. So I get it. What about bringing in the communication stones once again, was this always a core component of the show or was this a few weeks in, you know, oh, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and, and. No,
1: it was, it was always a core component of the show. And, and Brad and Rob always uh, argued that the, the reason we use the uh, stones, and I think it's something that they pitched to the network, that the network also liked as well is that it opened up the show and allowed them to not only communicate, um, with with Earth, but ultimately would get us off the ship and we really getting off the ship is easier said than done even though the universe budget was healthier than atlantis or, or sg1 you know you would you would eat up a lot of that budget um just by virtue of, of you know let's say you know being such a huge cast and like the, the amazing visual effects you know the 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 idea is like you know sg1 and analysis were always off world but you're always visiting these forested planet and 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 people right. would you know kind of you know get on us like oh it's always a forested planet i would always argue that it, you know if they were going to uh, explore a planet they would uh, more often than not really explore a planet that would be capable of supporting life and what it would, would Star Trek call them class m planets like uh, and yeah and and so by virtue of that fact, you were more likely to see trees and you know vegetation similar to to similar to that of Earth. Uh, and but you're not universe... going
0: to pick plants to eat on desert worlds, right? Right, right. To exactly. be fair,
1: right. So I think Rob and Brad were mindful of that, so they wanted to vary the looks of the planets. The, the problem was that if it was like you know, if you were going to go off-world a lot of the time. Um, it would just bust your budget just because you didn't want to do forest all the time. You would have to create these um, amazing sets or, 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 you know, mats. Uh, on the other hand, they felt that the ship just being on the ship all the time would feel claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they introduced the stones.
0: OK. All right. I loved the design of this craft, James Robbins, the, his his artwork is just absolutely mm-hmm. stunning. Uh, Rob Cooper took Darren from GateWorld and myself on a, a a tour of the ship before the the, the show had aired, and the, it was Jules Verne. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. it was like walking into a Jules Verne novel. And uh, James Robbins said, "You know, we built this set with steel." we built it to last for several seasons to amortize that over the course of Mm -hmm. potentially five seasons of show. Um, what did you think of his design?
1: I thought it was amazing. I remember the first time I walked on the set, it was that, you know, it wasn't even fully constructed, but it, it just had a, a design. Unlike anything we'd seen on, on, on Stargate, it was almost kind of like a steampunk look and then sort of, you know, um, those corridors had kind of almost like a dark foreboding feeling and when I did dark matter you know production designer Ian Brock was very much uh influenced by the look of destiny in designing mm. uh, uh the interior of the Raza yes. so um you know I I just love the look I just it, it, you know just the uh everything from top to bottom by top to bottom I mean not only sort of texturally the walls, the architecture, but the ceilings and floors—that was one of the big things. Uh, Rob always kind of hated about the SGC is that it just the floors were painted concrete, and the you know the, the ceilings, th- there were no ceilings. Whereas Destiny, right. I mean, you know, you can shoot up, you can shoot down. It was just uh, uh, an amazing set. And the fact that you guys
0: chose to do, um, from a, a production standpoint, unconventional lighting which is one of the Mm -hmm. things that I noticed early on in in watching it and in talking with you guys was like, you know what? We're not going to fully light some of these scenes. Some of these Mm. people are going to be slightly in the dark and it's going to kind of be an indication. You you can lend it to their their personalities or their objectives that way, you know, Um, but it was going to be just, it was going to feel more real.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, the lighting was kind of a, i know point of contention amongst viewers i mean this, this is kind of the issue when we when you produce a show you see the very best quality so you're watching on the, kind of the best screen right. you're seeing so it looks amazing i think mean, the visual effects to the lightings to to the sound and then you know you broadcast it and it goes out on on you know their uh conventional you know analog uh, uh, televisions and People at home can't see anything. That was the big complaint. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it's, it's it's you know, it, it lent a certain atmosphere and it was really a beautiful show. But I know, um, you know, many viewers kind of complained because they couldn't see anything. I think uh,
0: one of the things that has spurred a lot of the chatter in the past recent years of of people going back and rewatching the show now and and finding that uh discovering that they like it is mm-hmm. partially due to the fact that we have enormous televisions now yeah. and yeah. if we turn off the lights we can see it so mm-hmm. i think that there's an advantage there to to this yeah. industrial boom of flat screen TVs and, and and home surround sound systems
1: it's funny you say that because i have noticed uh, an increasing number of fans, who actually uh, stargate fans and non-stargate fans alike, who either discovered universe for the first time or gave it another chance, and suddenly, you know, said, "Wow, this this show was great. It's really too bad <laughs> it only did two seasons." Exactly.
0: Let's get the elephant out of the room, or at least address the Which elephant. One? Which one? Yeah, the right. elephant that was. Boom, Atlantis canceled. Boom, SGU mm-hmm. um, uh, is launching. Which yep. led to the greater impression mm-hmm. that one was literally substituted for the other in Sci-Fi Channel's mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. And Atlantis fans and some, frankly, Atlantis cast members mm-hmm. did not take it well and chose to exercise their First Amendment rights to say what right. they wanted yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thoughts on that before we get into this? Yeah,
1: No, we, uh, it's it's something I mentioned uh, in our discussion of Atlantis' final season. Mm. That I, did, I honestly did not think it would be Atlantis' final season. I thought yeah. we would do a, a season of universe, uh, the first season of universe, and the final, probably the final season of Atlantis. Or movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I was I was honestly expecting that sixth season, okay. so it came as a surprise to me, we that we didn't come back, um, and uh, you know I ultimately I I don't know the reasoning. I mean, you know, I have to say I I I reached out to to the studio, and they said um, you know even though I think financially um it didn't make sense for them to do a six season of atlantis there were other reasons to do it i think they they they, they suggested one of the reasons was obviously to to use atlantis as a lead in so mm-hmm. you know and then when i i i spoke to the network you know they they seem to indicate they wanted that you know a, a, a atlantis so i'm not pretty sure what and then it just didn't happen and it didn't happen. And uh, like I said, I was disappointed. I know people were like, you know, you guys uh, uh, canceled Atlantis. Uh, I actually took a pay cut to go on universe, which I, you know, I, I, I I appreciate, you know, like I want to do the show, but uh, certainly I was financially worse off without a six season of Atlantis. (laughs) So believe me, I would have loved to have seen a, a done a a six season of Atlantis, especially because we, you know, we had kind of, spun kind of kind of very rough ideas of stories mm. we want to do for the sexy sex season i mentioned i want to do that you know wraith hybrid two-parter for the mid-season two-parter I thought, I thought that would have been fun and uh you know i was uh genuinely disappointed as disappointed in the fans and i mean i i think at the end of the day so whatever the reason i think it was poorly handled in that you, you, it certainly gave the you know the impression that one had to be canceled for the other, mm-hmm. and and really there's no way to sort of argue out of that. I, right. I, I don't think at that.
0: Well, on the one hand, season five was arguably the best season of the show produced. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, Thank you you, got, mm-hmm. you were you were uh, figuring stuff out as you went along, and it got better and better. And uh, uh, a second to that, fans had already been uh, programmed to. Uh, be able to, to recognize and, sign and kind of get, mm-hmm. get fat and happy with their circumstance of having two Stargates running. So we're just going yep. to do this again, you mm-hmm. know, and that's not what happened. No. So what stories other than the ones that you wrote uh, that we're going to get into here in a moment uh, really mm-hmm. stood out to you uh, from your peers for that first season? And um, you know which, I'm gonna which bring, ones? I'm,
1: yeah, I'm going to bring up the uh, episode yeah. But off the top of my head, the 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 opening three-parter, which was originally a two-parter. Oh, but there was just so much. Oh, we lost Joe.
0: Fire! Um... Uh, i lost you, Joe. Can you back up? Uh, oh. The two-parter was was originally a two-parter.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, originally a two-parter. The opening two-parter uh, became a three-parter. And in much the same way that what was it light and darkness yes. was actually one episode and then became um, uh, two. two, a two-parter. Yeah. So hang on. So, I mean, really for me, the, the, um, that, that op- the, the, the opener was, you know, really stood out for me. I love the way that it kind of bridged um, old Stargate with new Stargate, you know, Rick um, and, yep. and Daniel guest starring, um, which is something uh maybe will happen in in, in the new uh spin-off. I can it, only hope when that happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I sort of like that. And I love sort of the introduction to the cast of characters and and I just love that set. The l that, that destiny set was very much a character, and just that, you know, opening of, of them kind of flying through that gate, coming in hot. Um, it just, you know, it just kind of stayed with me. And then of course the design, the introduction of the ship, the the um Introduction of kind of this the, the kind of new um, you know um, um, FTL window mm. the 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 jumping um, I just uh, that that was amazing and then of course you know I mean obviously the, the first two episodes were great and then there was a trip to New Mexico that uh, that Rob took for uh, uh, part three of air that was just gorgeous and you know it goes back it goes to what I was saying about the fact that the, you know the, you want new looks for planets you want to Mm -hmm. you know differentiate the looks and 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 i mean Mm -hmm. white sands was was gorgeous so have you uh, been i have not been i did not go
0: i've gone twice it's one of my twice three times three times it's one of my favorite places in the country and you guys used it to perfection so mm-hmm. And the Bisty Badlands, which we'll get into in season two, was another stunning yeah. season. But White Sands really showed that, as far as I was concerned, really showed that you guys were serious in growing mm-hmm. the production value and really just putting every penny onto the print. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was solid. Um, yeah. I loved uh, Rob's episode, Time. I think yeah, so. That-
1: yeah, I was going to get to that. I oh, mean, you know, I, I mentioned No, 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 no. I mentioned like you know, I, I another one that stood out for me for, was water. Yes. Which uh, another you know we visit another planet. You know, sort of very Hoff like, uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know just kind of a beautiful episode. But yeah, very much you know it, you know if I think of standout uh, SGU episodes, probably my favorite is time because I, I just love a good uh, time travel episode. And I remember we were breaking the episode uh, in the room. And we kind of broke it in the room, and, or or, or Raw had the idea. So like, and, but he didn't have the ending. And he's like, "Okay, I don't have the ending. I'm just going to go away and come up. You know, I'll see what I can figure out." And it was quite something. What he came up with was was quite something. And I know, sort of, you know, a lot of the uh, fans were like, "Is part two next week? What's right. what's going on?" And uh, you know, I just love love the way that that episode ends
0: it just was uh, butch cassidy a part of the the discussion when you guys were all together or did he come with that later to button up the ending
1: i think he probably came up with that at the end okay i mean in the at the in the script stage i mean you you know you you beat out the episode and you know, office is not, it's not super detailed right. and you leave it to the writer to come up with, with the details and, and Rob did. It was fantastic. I just remember we ended up building that jungle set on mm. one of our stages and, and, and get, and get the rain. And it just, you know, it was just uh, quite the episode just from a, uh, from a prep and production standpoint, but also from a finished episode stand uh, standpoint is really one of my I think top 5 favorite Stargate episodes. It looks yeah. great.
0: I I, yeah. I agree it's definitely up there and the unconventional ending. I I was among those who were like, "Wait, what is what's going on?" And mm-hmm. it took me mm-hmm. about 2 or 3 minutes to process and it was like, uh, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. We're seeing part 2 of 3 at least, mm-hmm. loops, and we have mm-hmm. to infer the next one, which I think mm-hmm. is great, you know? It, 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 you want to you want to make your audience think. That's yeah. how you do it. It's, it does, it's, yeah. Absolutely, let's get into your stack for this season. Space, which I believe was eleven. Um, yeah, was late the late episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, episodes were broken up into additional pieces. It turned out to be eleven. I think that this was one of the the more frustrating things as a viewer that this episode was retained for after the the mid season break. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think that had it been a part of the group for the first half, I think that Universe may have had a stronger performance because this is where everything begins to expand. That the yeah. buildup that we've done for the first 10 episodes of getting to know people is starting to pay off a little bit.
1: Yeah. And it could well have landed, should have landed before the mid-season break, but it didn't because, like I said, you know the, the opening two-parter became a three-parter. Right. And the and and light became darkness and light. So that's an extra two episodes. Uh, it got pushed. So what was it? Episode eleven? It was. So a, it it be, was eleven.
0: Yeah. yeah so would it would have be been nine.
1: So would it would have be been nine. So um, yeah, I mean, in that respect, you're you're right. It it it, uh, it probably would have benefited from um, from airing before the uh, midseason uh, before the midseason break.
0: What are your thoughts on Young leaving Rush to die? at the end love of it. justice
1: love it you know i i love complicated characters i love uh bad uh, good people who do bad things as much almost as much as i love bad people who do good things uh so you know he's a, it, it's something that obviously we've never done in the in the previous two stargate uh shows and and that's what kind of appealed to Brad and Robert that this is this opportunity to really delve into kind of the darker side of 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 these characters and 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 uh you know have them make these these you know kind of darker decisions. We did a mm-hmm. bit of that in uh in, in Stargate but not to this extent. I mean, you know we, we talk about uh Shepard feeding the um you know feeding feeding that guy to the Wraith. uh um, yep. Um, was it became Mrs. Miller or Uh,
0: uh, Miller's crossing
1: Miller's crossing. Sorry. Right. uh, You're close. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, in that, but, but then again, I mean, it, you know, it it was dark, but there was really, it wasn't really, he didn't really, I guess he crossed the line in, in in some respects, but I think like, was he dying or something? And he, he willingly sacrificed himself and, and, and Shepard allowed him to do it. Mm. Whereas uh, here, young is getting rid of a nuisance you know there's no there, there's no really you know uh explaining away what he did
0: and a political enemy at that
1: yeah yeah so and and you know i love the fact that uh, uh ray ends up calling him out on it uh in in uh, in in the next episode
0: mm-hmm. she sure does you shouldn't have left him yeah. on the planet yeah you know but i mean at this point he had placed he had, I would argue more than a nuisance. I, I would, uh, he, you know, was set up to be a murderer, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, at a certain point, you guys have got to find some way to make peace, and it caught, mm-hmm. it takes several, you know, it moves into the the first mm-hmm. half of season two before that is beginning to be resolved. It um, is a
1: a huge holy shit moment. I mean, were you surprised?
0: Yeah. Were you shocked? I, uh, yeah i was I was really shocked. I was like, this this ends here. you know mm, mm. he really did, and I was i I wanted to to really like uh Young and his motive. I mean mm. he was never going to be like a jack. Don't get me wrong right. but after he did that, it's not that I disliked him because i I didn't dislike him. It mm. was like I didn't know where to put him in my mind, and yeah. that's, I think, what yeah. you guys were going for. exactly, exactly <laughs> exactly right. We have um, a great adversary that is just touched on in season three with the departure of some uh, season three, episode three, with the departure Mm -hmm. of a craft off the hull of the ship, which says, Mm -hmm. you know, it's another another nod that, yes, we are. This is a continuing story. We're going to be leaning into into other things. And you return this uh, species uh, in this episode, they park themselves right in front of us and tell mm-hmm. us in English, "Surrender." Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the, the Nakai. I think it was the yes. Nakai. Uh, they, we we never named them. Never, never on screen. Screen. I just named them for the yeah. That's. I'm assuming that was a production name.
1: Uh no, that was. I just named them out because everyone Which was. They, I think we would refer to them as the the aliens. Yeah, to the ra- blue and aliens. the fandom was like, "What are they called? What are they called?" And I thought, well. I guess they do deserve a name. So <laughs> this was one
0: of the cooler um, species because I, I forget who it. Was. I think it was Image Engine who had developed the replicators uh, largely, and then they went on to produce the prawns for District Nine. Mm-hmm. And then you guys were like, "Let's hey, you guys can you can do um, total photorealistic." Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bipeds. Let's have some for the show, and they looked amazing. They were yeah. so cool. How did?
1: How do you think they yeah. were pulled off? I, I I think amazing. They did such an amazing job, and of course, you know, overseen by our visual effects supervisor, Mark Savella, the amazing Mark Savella. But Brad and Robert, in particular, were just they didn't want to do rubber masked aliens anymore. Right. That's one of the things. With it, you know, is this was a very different show. Uh, but you know, we were never able to do full CGI aliens in the past really because um, they were just so prohibitively expensive and they never really worked out. I mean, what was that episode where... Uh, you had the um, Riole
0: with uh, Lieutenant Tyler in uh, The Fifth yeah. Man in season five. It's one shot. It looks yeah. cool. Let's take yeah. two shots, but you're right. Yeah. You can't really sink your teeth into it.
1: No, I mean, I was thinking of the episode where um, where they join um, Landry at his cabin. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, the, the that, bear, that...
0: the mutant bear.
1: Yeah, it just, it just, you know, it really didn't work. But uh, <laughs> but these aliens did. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I remember the the fandom being very impressed and very very excited uh, at the prospect of uh, finally uh, encountering aliens and not just people in, uh, who were just Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, arguably other than like, you know, uh, the Iranians like Tenet and Joop, you know, you had a story reason for humans. And at this point, you're so far out there in the universe that the only life you're going to encounter is going to be non-human. Yeah. And I mean, the Ursini in the second season, they mm-hmm, were, mm-hmm. they were cool as we'll get to them. Uh, but I think the Nakai, uh, uh, were were something special and i it, i i really wanted to know what their story was
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: uh, would you guys have kept that nebulous and kept them just like pecking at 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 destiny like ducks
1: uh, yeah, throughout the I, show's I, I, run or would you have ex- gone into that i think sort of as time was would have gone on we probably would have revealed a little more i'm not sure if we would have fully revealed. i don't think we would fully reveal everything but um yeah i mean I, you know after a while the pecking well well interesting it's a little frustrating so right imagine we would have uh yes revealed more was there a uh larger game plan for them that was that was planned um you know this is a question for brad because he had okay. a larger game plan for a right. lot of the elements including like the major arc uh related to the background radiation and you know he explained some of it and uh you know, he, always, he told me after the show was canceled, he's like, you know, I'm not going to reveal it or don't, don't reveal it online. You know, in the event that I get the opportunity to finish the right. story, I want to surprise the audience. And so, Well, I mean, the, the the thing that
0: terrifies me is that, you know, something's going to happen to him and we'll never know. It's like, please <laughs> well, have you him... told me. Okay. And David so, Blue knows. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I always want to have, you know, mm. his his. Uh, but His wishes get, are paramount.
1: Yeah, so hopefully you'll get the opportunity to, yep. to uh to tell us in a kind of a you know in a uh, roundabout way if uh, if that fourth series goes. Yeah,
0: I we'll would. Be able I to would check hope in that, with Destiny. Right, and I would hope that you know, uh, in a, in a tangential way, mm-hmm. um, their circumstances okay. could at some point weave into the plot. So
1: <laughs>
0: that would be nice. All right, let's have a look at so divided. Um, you you did these two back to it really is a two parter in many or a three parter I suppose yeah. in many respects yeah. uh, with justice, um, the first real come to blows moment for the show yeah. Yeah. with the cast the the crew of of the ship being split yeah. right that, down I,
1: in, in two. I at first I have to say that. Um, I did not write this episode. I wrote "Space," okay, and Paul wrote "Divided." But as I writing see. partners, we shared the on-screen credit. But I love this episode. Just the dynamic of of, of uh, two factions facing off in the ship, and and just that sequence where they start putting their 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 plan into motion, and and uh, and sealing off Dax. It's just you know one of my favorite sequences uh, uh, of the series. It's.
0: Um... A great departure from and, and and arguably like a like a uh sg1 would have never done this you know mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like you know the heroes are the heroes the villains are the villains mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's another great example of of making um, a grayer show where they're more like us than they are like you know like any of these heroes that have been depicted before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you risk uh uh turning the audience against some of the characters because of some of the things that they do. Yep. But I think in the long run it works. Yeah, I agree. Subversion. Dr. Rush mm-hmm. and Homeworld Command investigate when Colonel Telford is suspected of spying for the Lucian allies. So yes. uh Lou Diamond Phillips' character was always kind of a uh a wild card figure. I mean, obviously he yeah. was a U.S. Air Force colonel, um, but at the same time, you know, something was going on with this guy, and I think mm-hmm. that was pretty apparent midway through the show that season one that something's happening here.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how was
0: it having Lou Diamond Phillips on the show?
1: I love Lou. He was a great actor and just a, a, an incredibly nice guy and a uh, a gourmand. He does love his uh, his food, uh, so you know. But you know, I do appreciate that about Lou. But Lou, Lou is, Lou, Lou is fantastic, and and his character was I, I always thought, thought very interesting, in that he was um, kind of real thorn in Young's side, and and you know, even as his character developed, and you find out sort of what's going on, um, you know, you don't really know how much of it is outside influence or, or how much of it is him and he's one of those classic characters that you start off hating but end up really liking they kind of redeem themselves and I'm you know mm-hmm. I I was a big fan of, of a good redemption arc and mm-hmm. uh and and Telford was was great
0: I was the intention to get him on Destiny by the end of that first season because I mean we're talking a pretty big actor here who's stepping in to yeah. to lend uh, his weight to the show and could was there a potential for him to become a complete regular in season 2?
1: Um I don't recall. Okay. That was that being the plan because if if that was the plan then he would have been a regular in season 2. I see. Okay. Understood. Um you know I can't speak for season 3 or what the plans were for, for season 3. Right. Um you know, he, he was an interesting character, but I think the, the, the reluctance to have him actually on the ship stemmed from the fact that he, um, he served a lot of the similar functions that, that, uh, young did. Um, right. and even though sort of the characters were kind of a, a log ahead by the time I think season two rolled around, he was, um, you know, like I said, he had redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're kind of missing, uh, you know that 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 initial um um uh, uh, conflict between these two characters right he almost
0: was um the guy who was on earth just at that point near in the end just going to bat for yeah uh destiny you know he was kind yeah. of their ambassador at that point because mm-hmm. he had been out there and <laughs> managed to come back and so yeah. he's got the guilt for that yeah and then you know what else are you going to do that's that was supposed to be his mission Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Rona Mitra guest starred as Kiva in uh, the last two episodes, the last three episodes, I believe, of mm-hmm. of the season, which was Subversion and Incursion 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Powerful presence. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up getting killed off at the end of, of the season. Um, but it was you guys were growing the Lucian Alliance. Uh, yeah. into a threat for destiny. And I loved the continuing story from SG one all the way through saying that, you know, again, this is a continuing universe and there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of that casting? And um, how did uh, uh, how did the, the season resolve in, in your mind?
1: Yeah, she was great uh as as Kiva. I mean, um, you know, as as I mentioned, the fact that Paul and I write our script separately. He wrote Sabotage and okay. I was writing Incursion, which was originally a single episode. And then as I was writing it, this is this rarely happens. Usually at, at the outline stage, you realize you've got two two separate uh you you, mm-hmm. you got two episodes. But as I was writing it, I realized this is you know, as I was getting to the end of the, the, I think the fourth act, I realized there's no way I'm going to be able to wrap this up in two episodes. You're running out of runway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they're like, great. Okay. So, you know, do a, do a two parter. Uh, And so we, we, I I wrote uh, the final two episodes. I remember Brad saying, I I can't believe we thought this would be one episode because there's just so much going on and yeah, very dynamic episode. I mean, I, 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 uh, um, I, I kinda like the Lucian Alliance. I mean, when when we originally introduced them, I know some of the fans were like, oh these guys are kind of buffoons, but again, well, you know, we kind of redeemed them as uh yeah, a a black mother. You, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got uh we got uh Mike Doped uh involved and on board. I yes. was like uh you know, working with Mike. Um so I mean you know as as a as a uh, as a, a season finale, it was it was just also just you know a lot of fun i I think i I was trying to think back to all like the season finales i've ever written and i wrote them down and all of them usually end with um i think it capture and all hope is lost i think i I think back to camelot i think back to Mm -hmm. uh what was it um uh was it this this this, the siege uh, siege yeah for season Um, one of atlantis yeah yeah
0: well, in, in in both of those respects, for Camelot and the Siege, Camelot is essentially the end the the ending of the first season of a new show, if you want to look mm-hmm. at it that way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. when in each of those situations, at the end of a season one of a new mm-hmm. idea, you really want to go balls to the walls, and it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I love that shot of young looking up and the pulsar shutting everything off again. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's that's a great way to to end it. I think that it would have been a mistake to do this episode as just a a one episode because the character beats, those quiet scenes where they're all mm-hmm. trying to figure out, okay, what's the next move, are yeah. what make Incursion 1 and 2 work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my favorite moment from this episode, well, in addition to, to Chloe absolutely putting Eli in the friend zone... Um, mm-hmm you're such a good friend he's like oh thanks so much damn um is uh ray holding the uh the radio and talking to kiva and saying you know in our government the military takes orders from a civilian government yeah and then hands the radio off to young who's actually been telling her what to do and it's like this is not a good example of our society working the way it's supposed to. (laughs) We're kind of at a stalemate of our own on board ship Mm -hmm. and have had to set Mm -hmm. our issues aside to deal with this other threat. Yeah, Uh, It's a great first season. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, when it ended prematurely and we'll get to that in season two, man, Mm. it tore me up inside, man. Yeah. Same. So, um let's go ahead and look at mm. fan questions shall we excellent let's do it let's bring them in here it'd be helpful if i have them up okay jonas wanted to know how, how exactly how old
1: is destiny joe um this <laughs> what is a great way to start brad, right this is the question for brad wright yeah a- any any questions related to the the ancients or the history uh i direct you to brad wright and or robert cooper all right,
0: that's fair. We did I did ask him uh before episode one of Dial the Gate launched, it was my question. I wanted to confirm that Destiny was older than Atlantis, and he said yes. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Um George Flaxman. Joe, now that you've read Brad's script, can you tell us anything about it?
1: Absolutely not. Uh if anybody's gonna tell you anything about the, the script, it should be Brad. I mean I I I I basically kind of laid out sort of what appealed to me about the script and and the fact that um, it's what I've been saying all along, that you can't just create a show that appeals to the existing fan base. You have to create a show that is fresh and new, that new viewers who don't know anything about a Stargate can jump on board, yet at the same time is full of, uh, let's say, elements, characters, callbacks that longstanding fans you know, can, can, you know, uh, can delight in. And that's what it it, it does. And it has like, an important thing for me is a sense of humor. And it's got that, some great characters. Um, Like I said, more than a few surprises. Okay. Does it evolve the story? Oh, yes, absolutely. It does
0: evolve the story. Okay. That that was my first question. Does it evolve the story? Mm -hmm. And is it funny? And so Mm -hmm. that's, Mm -hmm. that's solid. Yes, on both counts. All right. Harley Parks, uh, Stargate Universe's music track was just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. w- will the atmosphere be the same? I guess they're inquiring into that. These these are Brad Wright questions, folks. Just so you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, sadly Joel uh, Goldsmith, oh who was God. responsible for her, well, you know the music in all three of the previous Stargates, passed away. So in that respect, it, you know, it, it it won't be the same, but. Um, um, you know, again, you know, once we, we hopefully once you know this show gets into production, I mean, Brad will be show running who sure ran with a showrunner on the other three productions, so you can expect the same level, mm-hmm. uh, and quality. And Neil Acree,
0: who did a lot of uh, the music alongside Joel, he is still yes. very much around.
1: Yes, so. yes, we follow each other on Twitter. There yeah. you
0: go, exactly. I uh, want so badly. For a compendium of Joel's uh, Stargate music to be released, particularly from uh, Universe, which I've I've yeah. gone to the trouble of ripping it from the Blu-rays just so that I can mm-hmm. listen to it, particularly the, a lot of the music from uh, the pilot and from Darkness and Light mm-hmm. and, and the finale, which I think uh, that final yeah. piece of music may be the best piece of music that he wrote. The yeah it is really front.
1: memorable it's beautiful and just the perfect uh accompaniment to the to the ending to the finale um and i honestly I, I don't understand why MGM never released the soundtrack i know its fans have been asking forever i know
0: i know i uh i have i had my hands on the Atlantis uh uh soundtracks while i was there uh, working <clears> with <throat> mgms for a plan to use some some element of it for target command i never had physical access to Stargate universe. And Neil mm-hmm. and I have tried to put our heads together and figure out where it was. And I don't know, it may be on a hard drive somewhere with the goldsmith estate. So we'll have to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Uh F7 super serial. All right. Hello. Destiny is always, I think referred to in the neutral gender. It despite ships being traditionally referred to as she was this a deliberate choice. That's a good point. I don't think Destiny was ever referred to uh, as a ship. To be honest
1: with you, I didn't even think of it.
0: And I don't think Atlantis was either. Atlantis was a ship too. Yeah, so. I don't recall. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, Nico uh, Kibler, can you tell us how far the negotiations with Amazon are, and will you be involved too?
1: Um, a, I will not be involved. I'm. Uh, I was just asked to read the script uh, exactly. and provide my uh, my thoughts uh and i have no idea what the timeline just the fact that the deal is finally closed um the mg the deal with mgm uh suggests it'll happen sooner than later
0: okay that's fair parker brown is there hope of reintegrating sgu with the proposed new stargate series i think you've i think you've touched on that joe
1: yeah i mean you know like i said this this show has to basically stand on its own yep which it, you know generally from the pilot very much will having said that there is the possibility to uh, tie up some loose ends with regard to let's say Atlantis or or, or universe? Down Perfect. The line once we you know get get our uh, get, once Brad gets the show's you know feet on the ground.
0: Kevin McCabe, biggest question: Joe, was there ever fish in Jack's
1: pond? Uh, I believe there were always fish in Jack's pond, and and yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and Jack was just screwing with
0: them. I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if you're not going to put any bait on the end of your lure, you can mm. say that there are no fish in your pond because <laughs> you're never <laughs> catching one that way. <laughs> Manuela Solaho. I apologize if I butchered that, Manuela. Uh, how many Stargates are in the universe, Joe? Lots wow. and lots.
1: Lots and lots and lots.
0: I would think it would have to be in the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: maybe tens of thousands, but there's got to be a lot. It's a fair approximation. In in the universe? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is it um, your opinion that the ancient... Well, I mean, this is an ancients question, I, I guess, for Rob. But is it your opinion that there were networks potentially in Andromeda or uh, some of these other galaxies out there that the ancients... Took a look around yes, the in, local. In group. my mind,
1: yes, there yeah. were other networks and other galaxies.
0: Okay, yeah, I would think. This, this I would think so. In
1: my mind, we, yeah. you know we never really discussed it, but
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Lee is the wormhole drive introduced um, in the end of Atlantis to make a useful appearance, either with Atlantis itself or especially. The ship going to catch up with Destiny. These are all guys. These are all these are all Brad questions. No, actually, the
1: the the, the wormhole drive was something that I would wanted to do. Okay, and we never found the opportunity to introduce it, and then basically we ended up drop, you know, introducing it in 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 that in the finale, yeah. which I, I just, you know, again in retrospect, I wish we'd introduced it earlier. Okay, so that it didn't seem sort of like you know, kind of a Deus Ex Machina. Uh, That's uh, true. In the finale did. Did
0: it concern you that would it would have made hyperdrive travel obsolete, and that it would have given perhaps too much strength to um, uh, Atlantis? No, because
1: we had a uh, way to address that issue. Which ah, was kind of set up um, and Extinction. Ah, okay, yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. I I
0: always thought that it was one of the more clever ideas uh, from uh, from Atlantis, where you, mm-hmm. you 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 turn on this. This lightning rod, basically, and it makes hyper hyperspace and subspace basically a detonator. I right. thought that you you can't go near it; you will die. And I thought that that mm-hmm. was always just a great idea. You can't turn stargates on, and you can't go into hyperspace. Um, that was cool. Uh, just in case, I loved SGU. I was wondering, however, why things grew as dark, particularly. Um, with rush and then stayed there for so long
1: um i don't know how to answer that question i mean the the idea being that we you know we didn't want to just resolve issues right quickly we wanted that you know you know you know realistically um kind of in the real world you 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 know you have conflict with someone and ideally you resolve that in a week mm-hmm. or two but you know especially if you're working close approximation with the with this individual um it it takes a while for things to work out okay and
0: also we were looking at five seasons you know Mm -hmm. that was the story target right yes so you're just beginning to get knee deep in stuff by the time we get the plug was pulled
1: and they did end up uh achieving an understanding yes
0: yeah. Absolutely. Uh, when when we get to uh, the episode that uh, um, that introduces the the oh it's twin destinies that that exchange between mm-hmm. them you know what I'm saving this for next season. All right. I was All happy right. that Young came around to Rush eventually. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Applied focus. I would have loved an SGC anthology show that would have been following various missions from several teams, and uh, we could check in on the Atlantis project or Icarus as a broader Stargate show.
1: That's an idea yeah it's an idea i mean but but in that case you're dealing with a revolving cast Mm. uh so you have the costs of you know um uh, of of the revolving cast the fact that you're going off world every every episode um you know brings up what we talked about Mm -hmm. the fact that are we revisiting forested planets all the time if not Mm -hmm. then how are we going to change up the look so um i love the idea yeah, but it just would have been very, very expensive. But mm. so from a, a, a story standpoint, I always like the close-ended stories. You go to off, you know, to a planet, um, encounter some difficulty, and then wrap it up by by episode's end. That's fair. For some reason, though, anthologies don't sell well. They don't. No.
0: Oh, I love them. So <laughs> do I. Interesting. Yeah. Lockwatcher. Joe, was there any actor you wanted to get on the show that you just couldn't get for one reason? For scheduling or they just weren't interested?
1: Um, I honestly can't think of an actor that we wanted that we didn't get.
0: Okay.
1: You know, none really come to mind. I'm trying to think and... Uh, mm,
0: I read somewhere for threads um, that uh, the the Anubis character in the diner was uh, thrown at uh, John Goodman, and but I don't remember is, if that's true or this, not.
1: This is news to me. Yeah, I would have loved yeah, to see good news in that to role. me. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: but the actor, uh, who, who portrayed him was, was great. He's unfortunately passed on, but I mean, that would have been interesting to see John Goodman in that role.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting. I, I, have never heard, this is a first for me. Okay. Maybe, maybe it, it was the case, but I don't
0: Teresa MC from the Atlantis episode Submersion. Were there any plans to salvage the Wraith cruiser on the bottom of the ocean?
1: Uh, No, there were no plans simply because we would have been carrying an extra expensive set.
0: (laughs) A wet one at that. Yes. (laughs) Uh, All right, this is esoteric, but I'm going to throw it at you. Dan Ben, Mm -hmm. in the pilot of SGU, why didn't Sam, uh, why didn't the Hammond have uh, Asgard weapons on board? It's a fair question. Was it that the Odyssey the was the SGU. only one equipped with that? I, I don't think it, because I don't think it was. Yeah, so uh, she, the Hatox are in orbit of the Icarus planet, and we're throwing conventional weapons at them. That's a fair point. Yeah, well,
1: I don't, to be honest, yeah, I don't
0: recall. Okay. This so, is a great question for Brad and Robert. Right. Yeah. They wrote the Odyssey had the Asgard the beam weapons. Yes, um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the Daedalus did too. Maybe the Hammond just wasn't outfitted mm. with them yet. All right, Summer. Hello, Summer. In SGU, there seemed to be more drama within the crew instead of mm-hmm. the old formula where it was us versus evil in the universe. Which of these styles do you personally prefer writing for?
1: Uh, I very much prefer writing the style that uh, we saw on, on Dark Matter, mm-hmm. which is a, a, um, a, a an episodic, format existing within the backdrop of a serialized uh storyline uh very character driven with a heavy dose of humor it's
0: almost a hybrid so you can get the best of both you know i think that sg1 i think that all the shows really pulled this off well yeah so um raj Luthra was the design of destiny meant to look like a chevron from a bird's eye view I believe yes, that was
1: the intention. That good, I, c- good catch. Yeah,
0: yep, absolutely. William Ahrens, how does Joe see the character of Doctor Rush, who as the chief engineer, so to speak, of SGU, has a darker personality than either Carter or McKay, but almost has a religious desire to find the meaning of life? How do I? How do you see the character? Like, I, I guess it's like, what, what was your, you know, impression of of the character and and. You know how Robert Carlyle pulled him off.
1: Um. You know. I mean, the character was pretty much how you, you described him, and, and Robert Carlyle was like such a huge get, and yeah. he was you know amazing. I'm sure uh, Brad or Robert already talked about this. The fact that he came on, you know, on uh, you know to the offices and and basically pitch Brad, um, you know, various levels of uh, 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 his Scottish uh, accent. And he says, you can go, I think he had like five different levels from, from very thick Scottish accent to, Unintelligible. to non, I think, you know, to Brad, Brad picked a, 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 a two, which was basically not, you know, not, not the lowest, uh, you know, easy to understand. And it was funny because I could understand him perfectly when I would watch the dailies or in the episodes, but when I would see him in the lunch line and he would talk to me half the time, I didn't understand what he was saying.
0: Yes, so... His his natural,
1: you know, accent or something.
0: Elena uh, tells the story of, you know, first meeting him, and he's very soft-spoken. He's Mm -hmm. very gentle. Mm -hmm. uh, And talking to her, and she was like, oh my god, we are screwed. No one's going to understand this guy. (laughs) And then when he's on screen, he's right there, and she's like, oh, okay, all right, this is going to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He just dials it up. Yeah. Harley Parks, the Raza started in cryotubes when SGU ended in cryotubes. Coincidence? Yes.
1: Everybody points that out. That is a coincidence, but an interesting one, nevertheless. There you go. Raj
0: Luthra, any details on on uh, a planned arc for season three of SGU?
1: Uh, no, actually, we n- never got that far, unlike Stargate uh, Atlantis, where we kind of beat out. We're well, not beat out. We actually beat. Pitched out a bunch of stories yeah. that we kind of I put on the whiteboard. We didn't even get a chance to, um, uh, you know, to 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 work out an arc. I mean, I I remember, um, you know, on my blog shortly after the um, the uh, the cancellation, uh, you know, I pitched out like a, a bunch of ways that could have gone from from, uh, um, you know, having having um, you know being in stasis for for what you know whatever maybe three or four years and having. Um, uh, Telford lead mm. a, uh, you know, a, a team onto to, to the Destiny to rescue them to, uh, you know, you know maybe a little lengthier in them encountering, um, you know, another uh, spacefaring race to them being out for like centuries and Earth nice. being long gone. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So you know, who knows what we would have gone with.
0: I loved the idea. For me personally, as a viewer, I was mm-hmm. disappointed that we were leaving this galaxy at the end of season 2 because that twist at the second half of the season I thought led to all kinds of things that we could mine with having um another race of humans in that galaxy who were more pretty much more advanced than we were uh and resources that we could mine but those 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 damn drones you know mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. us had us reconsider I would have loved yep. to have had uh an SG team from that race uh connect to us and and help and lend us a hand. Yep. Yeah. Great, great idea. <laughs> William Ahrens, was there ever any thought to not killing off Ronamitris uh Lucian Commander Kiva?
1: Uh yeah, originally. Originally, but um we ended up going. Ended
0: up Things going, change the yeah. The one with the many Z's. When the incursion script became a two-parter, the two episodes before it moved mm-hmm. down a slot. Uh, you lost the initial seventeenth episode. Do you recall the plans for that episode in season one?
1: Uh, I don't think there were okay really plans uh, at at that point. I think we'd kind of left the uh, I think we kind of left the finale open. Okay. Or was it supposed to be the finale? I don't, I, 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 I to be honest, I, I don't recall. Okay. I mean, we just were moving episodes around, like, from the very beginning of the season. Like I said, three, the 2 part became the three-parter. The single episode became the two-parter. And right. then once again, um, you know, we ended with a two-parter.
0: A solid one. That dude right there. Who decided on the songs for the episodes? The in, the in, uh, the, the
1: real world songs. Oh, that was all Brad and Robert. They oh. they decided who I, I'm, you know, if it's not K-pop, I don't know it. So. <laughs> and retrospective is a good thing that I wasn't picking the songs back then or, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, some of them are Block pretty B, great or... Blackpink. That, yeah.
0: that scene in, in season two with, with, with Brody, um, yeah, hi. hi oh, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. that's yeah. so fun. And apparently the the batteries that was something that was done in um in blocking and they were mm. like keep it keep it in. <laughs> it's great. So, it's the little beats like that that I just, that bring the characters to I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um uh, Ivan Telenchev what was the story, the the in-universe story behind the reuse of the Vanir slash evil Asgard spacesuits from Atlantis, the ones that were a hundred Gs a suit, according to you?
1: Yeah, something like that. Uh, right. What was the in-universe? Did we
0: have an in-universe? There was no in-universe explanation. I no. mean, it's assumed that. That, that group of Asgard came across Destiny at some point and just mm-hmm, copied mm-hmm. the technology. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's a twisted way to, to wrap around a reuse of, uh, of um, uh, uh, production assets, which is really all it is. Yes. Mean, and then just update the helmet. Yeah. So, uh, Felipe Cannot. I would have liked to see a little bit more of arguing between Eli and Dr. Perry okay
1: interesting yeah and david I did, that's, get that's one dynamic. Yeah, yeah she was I, fantastic
0: i i love that actor. i will reach out to her and see about getting her on the show mm. uh let me see i'm not gonna ask that that's a Brad question um erica strom joe if you had an unusual favorite meal on a stargate planet what do you think it would be I'm surprised we've An never unusual? asked you this question. Yeah. As An food unusual
1: food. favorite meal?
0: Yeah, from a from
1: another world. Well, I don't know what yeah. uh, what they would offer. What would be on the menu?
0: I don't know. Hopefully something that wouldn't kill us. Yeah. Um Yeah, the the potatoes the uh from uh no, it wasn't was it oh, supposed to be as like a sweet potato? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, <laughs> that scene with uh, with Ronald yeah. Greer. Oh man, that was yeah. funny. He's like, "Ooh, it's so delicious!" And everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, really?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. solid." I I, I, I would be totally up for trying uh, some alien food. <laughs> More like kind of the vegetables. I've never been a food fan, but uh, yeah.
0: Winston Alexander, were there any plans to do a Stargate Universe multiverse after uh, season two's Common Descent when you were introduced the? The split, we we get that with epilogue. Yeah, yeah.
1: Carl Binder, one of my favorite scripts of his. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah he wrote a lot of fantastic scripts over the years, but that is is also one of my favorites, absolute favorites.
0: Tracy wants to know, Joe, how is Suji?
1: She is great. She's actually crying right now because I heard eating. her. Oh, she ate already. Oh. I don't know if she's crying, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah she sadly she's she's not walking so um Aww. she's kind of stopped walking like 3 weeks ago so now we're uh we got her an attachment to her wheelchair so she can uh, can still kind of move her legs and yeah. you know hopefully you know ensure that her muscles don't totally right. atrophy so
0: do, do you have a diet a specific diet for her?
1: um There's food she likes okay. but i mean she's <laughs> she's almost 17 so she's at right. that age where you know, whatever she enjoys. <laughs> uh, you know that's
0: fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. Uh, Guanalex. Guanalex. How much is Claudia Black like Vala? <laughs> uh,
1: I would say not that much like Vala. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, let me see here. One manual. You want know, Characters
1: out? who are like their characters? Uh it's on Brian J. Smith. Was very similar to his character,
0: Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would uh, definitely you David know, Blue. Just kind of. So in terms of yeah. their interests, were very very compatible.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess their interests, just in terms of personality, though. Right. I uh, think that you know.
0: David is stronger than Eoi I was, mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah, in yeah. terms of yeah. In terms of brought, you know, yeah. Scott was a very likable character, like a, yeah. like a good grounded. Uh, human being, and Brian was the same way. as like you know, Ivan Bartok used to say uh, about Brian. He, he's easy to root for. You know, whenever we very we're, much. Here, so. Oh, he landed something. He's he's got something. I mean, you're happy for him, but just he was he's he's such a good guy.
0: Absolutely, I would have to agree with that. Um, Teresa, MC, would you cast David Reed in a cameo role in the new series? <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: Oh man, I'd okay, if have to find I was a writing treadmill. the show, but I'm not. So this is there a question for go. Juan Manuel Perez, did you ever beat yourself up not making a furling episode?
1: Uh, no, not at all. I actually never wanted to see the furlings.
0: you got to keep some things from mysteries. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the furlings were completely unlike the, the giant koalas that we saw. I think mm-hmm. that the the koalas were uh, uh, just, uh, okay, get off of us now. Here you go. Here's something. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, or do
1: you think that's potentially that they that that's
0: similar to what they looked like?
1: Um, you know, we always joke that if we ever did find the furlings, there would be these gaunt, kind of uh, hairless, uh, right uh, beings. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I prefer to uh, to think that maybe they're uh, they extinct and we'll never know.
0: Yeah, I think that they flew. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. That's that's I. I won't go any further than that mm-hmm. um, all right Joe thank you so much for 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 coming on and uh, discussing another yeah, chapter pleasure. of the show and taking so many fan questions. we had a lot of fan questions today thank you yeah. all great so Can't believe
1: uh, next next month is it it's gonna be the wrap-up I Before know we'll, uh, dial the gate
0: I know it's the end of our of our uh, monthly uh uh meet and greets. I, mm-hmm. I still would like to have you back in the future, just a little I mean, here and there. So I'm I'm very thankful to have you on the program. Sure. Sure. I've there are certain actors that I'd like to bring on to have a round table with you. Um right. and uh yeah so next next month we'll we'll wrap up our journey together. All right. Thank you. Thank
1: Thanks you so me, much. You take always. care of yourself. All right. See you guys. Kisses to Suji. I will. <laughs> bye bye. Joseph Malazzi,
0: Stargate executive producer. Thank you so much for these wonderful questions, everybody. I really appreciate you uh, uh, submitting. Teresa M.C., of all the spaceships that appeared in the entire Stargate series, David, which is your favorite? Ooh. Uh... There was something um, about this ship that I can't put my finger on it. I have always been in love with this design. And I think a lot of it just has to do with, in terms of my love for the ship, has to do with uh, the mythology that was behind it. And um, a mythology that was never completely explained, and I think um, when you put those things together, I think that this is probably the ship for it. So it's half of the design and half of its its significance to the broader Stargate story. My uh, a a a chunk of my heart was put into Stasis with that with that crew, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next with them. So. That's what I got for you guys. I really appreciate y'all turning in. Uh, Dial the Gate is brought to you for free, and we do appreciate you watching. And if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering T-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com slash merch check out is fast and easy. You can use your credit card or PayPal. Just go to dialthegate.com or straight to the merchandise button at the top of the page. And thank you so much for your support. Uh, Another question. uh, Can we get Will Waring on the show? I think I've reached out to Will. It's been about eight or nine months, though. I will reach out to him again. Uh, I think he said yes. It was just a scheduling issue. So I, I need to do a better job of keeping up on that work and life and other things have gotten in the way. Um, but, uh, uh, what I typically do is about once every month or so, I just sit down and I send out 20 invites. And then the ones that we get back are the ones that we have moving forward for the next month. Um, I need to get back into the rhythm of sending out a set of invites every single week. Um, it's just how, how we've been doing it. So my thanks to my producer, Linda Gate Gategabber Fury. She is my right hand in uh, publicity and uh, helping make the show go around in terms of outreach. So thank you, Linda, very much. As well as my moderating team, Summer, Keith, Tracy, Jeremy, Reese, and Anthony. You guys are great. And big thanks to Frederick Marku at Concepts Web. He is our web developer that makes uh, uh, dialthegate.com possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, Robert C. Cooper is back for part six of his ongoing interview series with us. We have a uh, discussion on seasons uh, three and four of his episodes of SG1. So everything from Dead Man Switch to Watergate. We've covered about six or seven episodes and it was a good conversation so we will be bringing him in next week. That was pre-recorded and that's going to be airing uh, this coming Saturday the oh n- uh, let's see the ninth at noon Pacific time 3 p.m. Eastern followed by a uh, uh, a new discussion with Kevin Sabo who runs 3d tech.pro. he's responsible for Atlantis and the replicator that's it from this set and also little guys uh, like this one so he created this puddle jumper which actually has a pretty complete interior and also a um, the secondary look of the replicators he designed this as well and if you want to check out uh, the the items that he has available go to 3dtech.pro and and we'll be having him on in a pre recorded episode uh, next week to discuss uh, his design process for creating and bringing to life these uh, little critters and spacecraft. So he will be airing at about 2 p.m. Pacific time on the 9th. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. I appreciate your time. We'll see you next week and on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acre. Animations by Bryce Orrs. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening.